Hopefully everybody came in ready to go awake. I see some smiles. Hope to see more later. Good to see you, Bill. Is it good to be in church? It is good to see you in church, brother. So glad to see you here. Well, it is September 29th, fifth Sunday. We are officially at the three-quarter mark of 2019. We are knocking on the door of 2020 and moving forward, and I hope you're excited about what the Lord has for us as we continue to move forward. You know, it seems just like as you get older, just time begins to move faster and different things. It seems like just a few weeks ago, there was something called Y2K, and we were all going to die. And here we are a few years later, and we've forgotten about it. And everything's still the same, though, right? There's new news stories out there telling us we're all going to die, but we press on, right? Not sure what that has to do with anything this morning, but that was just on my mind, and that's how my brain works. Hold on. This should be interesting. If, you're, if you have your Bible with you, go to Colossians. We're going to start off in Colossians, continuing moving through Colossians. What a neat series. It is just very enjoyable to sit and soak up and listen. It's, it's been a blessing to hear from uh, Pastor Aaron, from, Pastor, or from, from Matt Trumbull. We've got uh, uh, Dr. R. Gray following next week and others. You're going to get to hear from our elders as, as Pastor Tim is away. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being here. I hope you'll come along and join us on this journey. We're going through about a three-month time here where, where we are just coming together and just soaking in the word and, and learning from the scriptures together. I hope you're part of a home group as well, because we're discussing Colossians and going deeper in this as well. And it, it's, it's, it's a good time to get together in the word and to pray with one another and to, and to find out what's going on in one another's lives and encourage one another. I know from us last year in home group, we also had a couple of families that had kids where we were, and we were just really grateful that we weren't the only people pulling our hair out someday. That there were other ones I hear laughing over there. Okay, good. Yes, you were with us. All right. That we weren't the only ones that 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 sometimes it does. It feels like nobody knows what I'm going through. But isn't that such a lie from the enemy? Yes. Somebody else does know what you're going through. Somebody else can come alongside and minister to you and with you. And that is what the body of Christ looks like. We're going to talk about that a little bit today here in Colossians. But but real quick, let's just hit some review real quick. What can you tell me about Colossians so far? All right, we'll start off with really using softball here. All right, who wrote the book of Colossians? Paul. Good, good, good. All right. Paul wrote the book of Colossians. All right. And uh, does anybody know where or about where that church was located? Colossae, yeah, that's it. That's that, that's what what region? Come on, MDiv. Modern day Turkey. Thank you. Very good. You will make a, a a great teacher. You make a great teacher. All right, modern day Turkey in that area. What is a major city that is really close to that? Ephesus. Okay, we we kind of talked about a little a little bit. Ephesus was very close. Paul was there, and then the pastor, the one who started this church. Do you, do you remember what his name was? Epaphras, all right, very good. Stop answering all the questions, Aaron. (laughs) Epaphras, all right, he's the one who wrote that. So this actually was not one of Paul's churches. This was almost like his grand church, you could even call it. It seems like they think that Epaphras was ministered to by Paul in Ephesus, and so he went home and he he just, you know, hey, good news, you got to hear this. 
and begin to tell. And this little body of believers begin to form here in Colossae. And they grew up and they begin to, to come together. But any time a group of believers comes together and they begin to grow and, and they, they begin to, 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 to deepen in their faith and begin to impact and make a difference in other people's lives, what happens? What's that? Oh, the enemy comes. We have an enemy. He does not want to see us grow, does he? He does not want to see us flourish. He does not want to see us impact our neighbors and our communities for the cause of Christ. He does not want to see Bibles to go around the world and be used as textbooks and for people to read, even to the point where they tear them up and and share them back and forth. You can expect opposition and this little colossian this this little group of colossian believers was facing something we don't know exactly what it was and maybe that's a good thing for us because we're probably not going to face the same opposition that they faced but i can guarantee you this we can use the same answer that paul gave them to push back against that opposition so it doesn't matter what the opposition is i appreciated uh, a couple weeks ago when pastor aaron just went and said hey it's all about jesus christ it is all about that. And we, we got to be careful that we don't, go, don't get off track of that. We get our minds back to who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. And that what he has done is completely sufficient and final and over with. We don't have to add to it. Isn't it a good thing to know that you don't have to impress your Savior? Oh, that has got to be such a... That, that has got to be on our minds and our hearts. We don't have to earn, win, gain back his love. He, we already have it completely and fully. And we get to allow him to work in and through us for his purpose and for his glory. But that's not always easy. It's, but it's incumbent upon us and, port, and important for us to keep our minds focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, as, as Matt challenged us last week. And then I love the picture that, that Aaron gave us I was going to put it on the screen here, of redwood roots, or of roots that not only grow down deep into the ground, but they spread out, and, and they connect with, with, with other trees. Uh, and it gives them that stability that they need. It's just a beautiful picture of the stability and the interconnectedness of these trees and how it provides support and stability to one another as they grow taller and face the elements. Without that connection to one another, there would be danger for them. They, they, they couldn't have what they needed to grow up and be what they needed to be. And there is a connection that is needed between us so that we can grow taller and so that we can face the elements, so we can face the opposition of the enemy. You know, not only do the, the roots create support and stability, but they're able to tap into the nutrients found deep in the ground and to nourish the tree so that it can bring forth fruit. And that's what it's truly all about. Colossians 1, the fruit was described as faith in Jesus, love for the saints, and the hope of heaven. Matt touched on that last week about the hope of heaven. He reminded us of that. As long as we're on this earth, we're going to need to be reminded that we have a great future. We must make sure that, that while we deal with the struggles and the trials of this life, that we not lose sight of the guarantee of our eternal future with him. And let, let that motivate us to move forward in the cause of Christ. 
It's neat. Last week, I, I like how Matt challenged us. He, he, he brought a great message and then boiled it down and said, what do you need to do? You need to read the Bible and pray. Really, was, was, was what we got down into. And it, it really does come down to that. Get in the Word and pray. And what better way for us to, to keep our eyes fixed on our hope than by getting and, and digging deeper into those two things. You know, the prayer that we're talking about, we're going to look at a prayer here in just a moment, but that prayer we're talking about is more than just for daily needs. And those are good. We, we should be praying for our, our daily needs, even in the Lord's model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so the daily, I'm not trying to say that we push those out, but it's so much more than that, the daily needs. It, it's more for healing, and we do. We, we praise God for healing and for how he works in people's lives and in and, and, and situations. Uh, we got the email several weeks ago about our, our dear brother Bill Stankowitz down here, and we went to prayer. Tammy Irvin, we went to prayer, and we, we get these, and we, we see them, and, but we pray for that healing. But you know what we also pray? God, use this to help Bill further his ministry. Use this to help whomever is hurting right now, whomever is sick, to minister to the doctors, to the nurses, or family members. Let your grace be real in their lives right now so that you may be glorified. Our prayers are so much deeper than for daily needs or for healing or for tangible needs, but they need to be prayers for a, it's a deep abiding prayer that God will work in the lives of others as well as ourselves, and make us more like him. And that's exactly where Paul is going here in the book of Colossians, in his opening here. Before we look at this, let's talk a little bit about kind of their culture and talk about ours and how it's kind of different, and we've got to do a little things to help us understand uh, what's happening here in the scriptures. All right, how many understand that we live in a very individualistic culture? All right, individualistic culture. Right, we we, we 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 do things our way. I mean, advertisers know this, right? Okay, Burger King tells us to have it. All right, have it your way, have it our way. Okay, McDonald's, have you had your break today? All right, you you deserve this, right? Well, this is this is a really good one. Of course, I don't use these products. L'Oreal, thank you, thank you. All right, L'Oreal, because you're worth it, or before because I'm worth it. Is is their their catchphrase Sprite? Obey your, your thirst. Good. I'm glad not too many people are coming back. Maybe you don't watch as much TV as I do. Good, good. All right. Obey your thirst. All right. It's all about you, right? Even the United States Army. Be all that you can be, right? That's good. That's, that's good and fine. That's our culture. These reflect our individualistic culture. But this idea of everything about me, which seeps into our lives, right? That, that, that idea would have been incredibly foreign to this, this group of, of, of believers in Colossae. Generally speaking, we think of life decisions from this perspective. How does this benefit me? How can I leverage this for my, I don't know, my retirement? Or, or how can I leverage this for my career path? Or, or what will this do for me? We just naturally think that way. That, that, that's where we live. And that, and that's, that, that is just, it just is. But in this community and in, in ancient community and even communities around the world, Middle East, Far East, even Latin America, areas like that, it's about what's most important for the community. 
But what, what do I do? What will it say about my family? What will it say about those who live around me? What, what I do, will, will it bring honor or will it bring shame? So everything had to do and was through the mindset of us collectively as a group. And that's difficult for us to do because we are very individually minded. Okay, we probably got up and got in our car and came the way that we wanted to and sat in the chair that we wanted to sit in. Uh, it, it, it just is. It's just the, the way things are. So, so why even think about this? Why, why bring this up? And it is this. It's because that, that individualistic mindset, we can begin sometimes to read the Bible that way. That, that the Bible becomes something that's all about me. I saw a t-shirt about this the other day on my, my, my Facebook spread. It says, the Bible, it's not about you. I mean, <laughs> it was just, it made me chuckle. Because, you know, we, we can. We can take the Bible and it's all about me. And who is it really all about? It is about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is about what he has done for us. And what he wants to do in and through us, for us, for his glory. And for his purpose. And and that's how Paul is writing. And that's how he's going to be praying here for these Colossians. Because it's not that he's praying for them as individuals. For them to to grow up. But he's praying for this body to come together. And grow up together. And yes, there's individual work to do. But they are all working and supporting one another. Not trying to check off boxes. And show everyone how great they are in the faith. So we have to kind of take off our individualistic culture glasses and, and learn to or try to put on our community glasses when we read through this scripture here. And it's only, and here, here, this is really important here. It's only as we begin to think and make decisions based on how they affect one another that we as a church body can achieve our true purpose. Which is not to build up individual super Christians, whatever that means. But to build up one another so that we as a body become the hands and the feet of Jesus. I think sometimes we miss that picture. When it says that he is the head and we are the body. What does the body do? What the head tells it to do, right? There's all kinds of scientific reasons for that that are for people that are much smarter than I am. But, you know, my feet don't go where they want to. They go where the head tells it. And we, we've got to become that way as a body. Where do we go? Where Jesus would go. What do we, what do we say? What Jesus would say. What, what do we do? What Jesus would do. How much do we give? However much Jesus would give. That's what our body has to become like. And that's what we have to become like together. And yes, there's an individual part in that, but we've got to be bringing others along with us. We need to be a church body that is characterized by unity. I love this word. It's a place of togetherness. A place of togetherness. You know, we'll never be able to be connected to everyone in here. As we grow, as God continues to bless us and we see more people here, you know, one of the first things when people move, they say, I just feel spread out. I just feel disconnected. We, we have to learn how to and find a way. How do we bring back an, an element of connectedness? How do, we, how do we reconnect to one another? You know, I'm not going to make you do it. We've done it before. And, and it's, uh, but if we all stood up and, and were to, to, to kind of go all the way around the building, we could all hold hands with one another, right? 
And I may not be able to, to, to touch every single person or be connected to, or individually to every single person, but we could be connected to one another that way, kind of like how these roots grow in these trees. They, not every single true tree is touching the other tree, but they're all still connected. They're all still supporting one another. They're close enough that when someone needs to let go and move, they can and they can connect where they're needed. And we need to be able to do that with one another. What a testimony that will be to our community if we can do that. To be connected to one another. With this, with this idea in mind, this connectedness, this togetherness. Let's take a look at Colossians. We're in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. We're still in the opening. Paul is, is reaching out. He is connecting with this community. This is the introduction. But it's really neat here because this part right here, he moves right into a prayer. And he says, and so. Other translations say, for this reason. Well, what reason? Because of this connectedness, this togetherness that is found in a gospel community. Paul was connected to Epaphras. Epaphras was connected to the Colossian congregation. And they were all rooted deeply in the same faith, love, and hope in the gospel of, of Christ Jesus. So, and so. For this reason, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, we need you right now. I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this body, Lord. Be with the words that I speak. Lord, help us to come together in a spirit of unity and togetherness. Lord, help us to find our purpose in you, in serving one another, and in ministering to a lost and dying world. Bless your word this morning as read, and bless uh, the, the preaching, Lord, just again. May it be exactly what we need. Maybe what I need, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was interesting as we work through this section to see how Paul is laying out the groundwork for themes that he'll be discussing throughout the book. You're going to see these come back over and over again. Wisdom, faith, hope, love, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, all these things are going to come back over and over again. We're going, to, we're going to see them happen throughout the book. So Paul is a master communicator. He's an incredible communicator. And he recognized that he has to earn the right to speak to these people. You know, he didn't come through like a bull in a china shop and say, all right, people, let me show you how to get this figured out. I, I was reading through, through commentary and, and it, was, it reminded me, it said, Paul could not speak so boldly if he were not just completely confident. We've talked about this at staff meeting before about some, some different things. It's just like, man, if, if we didn't know that Paul was 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 just completely surrendered and sold out to Jesus Christ. He could come off as really arrogant in some passages. He, he could just come off as like, who is this guy? 
but he, he is confident, not because of who he is. He's confident because he knows who he has believed in. He knows he can trust Jesus Christ. So he is earning the right to speak to these people. And he, he wants them to know that there is something bigger than him. Don't connect to me, he's saying. He's saying connect to the gospel. Connect to the Savior. I want you to see that this is truth, not because I say so, but because our Savior has said so. So he grounds his communication to them in the gospel. And then before he does anything, he launches out into this prayer. This is how I pray for you. Not for you, the person, but for you as the body of Colossians believers. And by doing so, he is communicating to them in humility. There is a higher authority than he. All right, what he is communicating to them, this, this book of Colossians, what he's trying to teach to them, what he is about to unwrap and unpack for them to help them to push back against this opposition that they're dealing with, to, to push back against the enemy that's trying to stop them. It is bigger than he. There's a higher authority than he. All right, this is not his idea. This is God's will. And the proof that he is bringing to them is that he has submitted himself first to God's will and to God's authority. And he is now praying over this congregation that they too would do the same thing. That they would submit to God's authority and find their place in his will as well. Paul prays first for them. He says, I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Remember, again, that they would be as a body filled, something that they would need to work at together, that they would need to, to come and work on as a group in unison. And that's what we should be doing as well, coming together and growing and being filled with knowledge. Now, it's not just enough to gain knowledge. All right, how many understand there's a lot of knowledge out there? A lot of knowledge. This, this is kind of interesting. I, Google can get you going sideways very quickly. Did you know that you can get a PhD in packaging from Michigan State University? Packaging, that's right, boxes. A PhD in, in packaging. That, that's a lot of time to, to work on understanding boxes. Uh, you can get a Master of Arts in Puppetry from the University of Connecticut's Puppet Arts Program. Uh, or how about, I, this is a real word, okay, a PhD in safe-nology. I, I, I have to do with safety, so I guess there's some, some good things, but I, I just never heard that you could get a degree in safe-nology, or folklore, or dramaturgy. I probably just completely butchered that word. Uh, or a degree in bagpiping. I'll pay you to stop, okay? No, okay. <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> bagpiping, you get a degree in bagpiping. Or how about this? You can get a, a, a degree in bowling industry management and technology. Which I guess there's some practical application for that because bowling alleys can be fun. Uh, or how, if you want to stay really, really close to home, right down in Harrisburg, you can go and get a degree in auctioneering from the Harrisburg Area Community College. So th there's all kinds of knowledge that you can grab and, and you can get to. You know, we value knowledge as a community uh, or as, as a country. And it's good. All right, education is an important thing. We have a lot of educators in here, so I'm not knocking on education. Education is extremely important. But what do we do with that knowledge? Why are we getting it? Because we know that, we can take, that people can take knowledge and they can use it for very evil, can't they? 
computers are a wonderful thing. The internet is a wonderful thing, but it has opened the door to some of the worst of humanity, hasn't it, as well? Uh, there's, there's a lot of ugliness out there. You can take anything. You, you, can, you can learn how to do accounting so that you can create a Ponzi scheme. Uh, you, you, you can take people, but you know, it's, knowledge is not an end to of it itself. I, I think that's pretty easy to understand. It's not just about gathering knowledge, but what are we going to use this knowledge for? It's more than information and facts. Paul says, I want you to grow in knowledge of God's will, of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then he tells them why. why. Why do we do this? So I can prove to everyone how many verses I have memorized. So I can tell everyone how many times I've read the Bible. So I can update my Goodreads and then share it on Facebook to let everybody know I finished another book, right? These, this is all good and well, and I hope you do. But we come back to, be careful, it's not about me. What am I using that knowledge for? We can read books, we can read blogs, we can listen to podcasts, and, and I do, and you should. But what good is that knowledge if it doesn't help me to love my family? And they're embarrassed and dread. They're going <laughs> to kill me when I get home. I love you guys. Oh, what, what good is any knowledge that I gain if it doesn't help me to reach out and meet new people? The Sims have been wonderful friends to us. There are people that pull their hair out with us. Thank you. <laughs> or what good is it if I can't celebrate a little one? Oh. And he's like, hurry it up, man. I want to go to lunch. <laughs> or what good is the knowledge I, I, I gather and accrue and gain if, again, I can't meet new people and welcome them and, and hope that they are be part of our body and join or to come see a dear brother, Frank, and say, hey, one of the most faithful people that are here every week with a giant smile on his face. If you don't know Frank, you need to get to know Frank today. Or what good is it if I can't come alongside a ministry and support and say, yes, what you're doing is good. Keep it up. Sorry, Craig. You're going to be my center, Okay. I can pick Craig to be a sinner because he's probably the best Christian in here. He, he won't admit it. What good is my knowledge if I can't lovingly come to a brother and say, hey, you're out of line? And he'd be able to listen back and we restore and grow forward with one another. Knowledge isn't about me. It's not about how many pieces of paper I can put on my wall or how many books I can put on my shelf. And those are good and well. But Paul's telling them, it's your knowledge, it needs to be of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Look at this, fully pleasing to Him. That's what he wants us to grow up in, and he wants us to know. And it's important that we grow together. 
not out on an island by ourselves. You see, you can't get everything that you need as a believer from sitting and listening on a Sunday. It's good. I'm glad you're here. I'm not trying to run you off. But you can't get everything you need in this little block of time on Sunday morning. All right, and you can't get everything that you need as a believer from one person that stands up behind this pulpit. All right, we, we can only stretch so far. But if each and every single one of us has two, three, four, five people that we are holding on to and praying for like Paul is praying and holding accountable and speaking into and encouraging and loving, think of what could happen here in Lock Haven. When the members of our body are not in a sharing community, purposefully ministering to one another, then we are missing out on God's best for us. You know, Colossians, this this book, if you look at it, you go back to look at the first few verses, it wasn't written to the pastor at Colossae. It wasn't written to the elder board at Colossae. It wasn't written to a leadership structure or the bishop of the church, to the saints. And everything in here was written and to be understood and digested and learned by the saints. All right, if you are a believer in here, that means it's you. This is for you. And he tells them, grow stronger together. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus together. Know the knowledge of his will together. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord together. Bear fruit in every work together. Paul tells them in in verse 11, he prays for them also to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all patience and joy. Now, we like power, don't we? Power. All right. I grew up in the 90s, and I remember my favorite TV show back then was Home Improvement, Tim the Toolman Taylor, right? All right. And what did he do to all the equipment that he messed with and the tools that he messed with? He always would add more. Oh, come on. More. All right. There, there we go. All right. And what did they always do? They always blew up, right? Okay. Because, you know, power isn't what we need. More power isn't what we always need, right? We need the right kind of power. We need it to be used for the right purposes. Okay? Uh, We understand this. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Power has been used and abused for time immemorial. Just a short view of history in the last hundred years. You can look at power that was used to to destroy people, to to uh, create wars, genocide, starvation, and corruption. So Paul very quickly says, when he says, "I want you to have this power," he very quickly says, "In this direction and for this purpose." He builds very big walls for that to grow through or, or to show through. He tells them this. He says. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for what? So that you can build your own kingdom. So that you can uh, sh- shut down the enemy. We can, we can destroy the enemy. We, we, can, we can 
take back our country. No, he says, I want you to have this power for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, those are some real American hallmark values, right? Endurance, patience, and joy. Maybe at one time that endurance level was, but boy, we're the fast food generation now, aren't we? I mean, we pioneered fast food. We can get something good to eat like that. You know, we drive past a, a drive through restaurant, and there's more than two cars in the lane. I ain't, I ain't got time for that, right? I, I, no, I can't wait. I'm in a hurry. We got to go. All right, we are the land of fast food. We have express lanes in our supermarket. Hey, those are 16 items. Move it, buddy. I got to go. All right, don't know something? Google it. YouTube it. We can do it all ourselves. We're the, after all, we're the land of high-speed Internet, the information superhighway. And that superhighway had better not ever buffer. We want it now and we want it on demand. 3G isn't good enough. 4G LTE isn't it? We want 5G and pretty soon that's not going to be fast enough for us. And this impatience can also seep into our spiritual life as well. And it will stunt our ability to grow spiritually. Think about this. If you look at your at the scriptures. How many times have you seen God in a hurry? Do you ever see? Now, now urgency is different. Okay, urgency means you prioritize. You push things off to the side. This is what's important. You hardly ever see, I don't, I, I don't think you ever do see God in a hurry. I mean, think about it. Joseph waited 13 years and endured all kinds of suffering and wrong before he became Pharaoh's right-hand man. Abraham waited 25 years and was 100 years old when he finally became father to Isaac. Moses spent 40 years living in a desert before he came to lead Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. And that didn't happen overnight either. Jesus, this is, this is, my, this is my favorite one right here. Jesus, when he was confronted with the fact that Lazarus was dying, said, okay, I'll be here in a couple days. <laughs> you ever thought about that? What kind of reaction is that? Hey, Lazarus is almost dead. Okay, I'll be there when I get there. Was it in a hurry? Did it mean he didn't care? Clearly not, because we come back and follow up and we see that Jesus wept. And of course, he brought him uh, back uh, to life. But we never see God in a hurry. I, I think maybe that might be or should should be convicting to us that if we find ourselves constantly in a hurry and we live in a very hurried world that maybe we're not being like god and boy that's a big fight that's hard that one is a swim upstream battle you think about this aren't you glad that he's not in a hurry with you all right when you get hurried when you get rushing through things what happens you cut corners you miss things, right? You don't get it done right. God's not in a hurry. He's taking his time and he has a purpose and he has a reason. And he knows that we're going to go through tough times. He knows that we're going to go through suffering. He knows that we're going to go through trials and the ugliness of this sinful, broken world and life. I mean, nobody in here woke up this morning and said, Oh, good. Bring on some persecution. All right? That's not, that's not how we think. And that's okay. I mean, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion, what did he pray? My father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's a hard one to wrap my head around. If you understand what he's saying, that's, that's a really hard one to wrap my head around. But his prayer continued, and this is what our prayer needs to be as well. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that's what Paul is praying for with these Colossians believers. That's what the power is for. You're going to run, you're going to have days where you feel like you run headfirst into a wall. And he says, I pray that you can endure and that you have patience as a body. And it's how we are to pray for one another. Pray for power, not that we can wield it for our own purpose, but that it will sustain us and empower us to fulfill his purpose in a sin-filled and broken world. And that it would even allow us to do this in joy. I don't think I have to work too hard to convince you that life can many times be tough. All right, we face sickness, accidents, financial meltdowns and problems, interpersonal conflicts, family stress, work stress, ministry stress, traffic. All right, it just goes on, right? We face all kinds of stress. We face all kinds of problems. On top of that, we create all kinds of problems for ourselves, right? Lose our temper, blow a gasket, say something horrible or rude to those that we are closest to. And sometimes our lives can be a, a, a one-person wrecking ball, can't it? But God is calling us, and Paul is calling us here to be patient, to be understanding, to, to show mercy, to be gracious with one another. And even when we are wronged by the world, to not respond in kind, but to respond as, as Jesus would respond, even on the cross, Father, Smite them, right? Father, forgive them. And because of this, we can give thanks. You know, it's hard to give thanks in the middle of struggles. It's hard to give thanks in the middle of trials. It's hard to give thanks when you're not sure what you're going to put on the table the next day. It's hard to give thanks when you get the, 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 the power bill that is passed due. It's, it's hard to give thanks when somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic doesn't use her blinker whatever it may be it can be really hard and God says to give thanks why to give thanks for that what's going on no give thanks in the middle of all of this because this is temporary this is fleeting it doesn't feel like it I'm not trying to minimize it anyway there are people in in, in this body going through some hard situations if you knew everything that was going on, you would wonder how in the world they're, they're keeping it together. But this is temporary. And if, we're, if we believe in Jesus and who he is, he has purpose for it. There's nothing purposeless going on. He has purpose for it. And, and, and he can also redeem it. He, we can burn the place down and he can do something good with it. We're not going to try that, but he could. We have to have that mindset change. We have to change our perspective. Because if we get locked into what this world looks like, it ain't a pretty picture, is it? So turn off the news, close the browsers, get in the Word, get your perspective 
shifted and moved to our Lord. Get, our, get your eyes fixed on the gospel. Get your hope reestablished in what is coming. Because, look at this, this is why we give thanks. Because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. I hate darkness. Darkness bothers me. All right, it gets dark and you're driving around, you can't see things. All right, that, that's when the deer jump out in front of you and do all kinds of crazy stuff, okay? Hey, darkness is not fun. You're walking through the house, all right, and if you've got kids, you're going to find Legos in the dark. <laughs> Just is going to happen. Or, or you, you walk to the, the, the dining room, what's going to happen to your pinky toe? All right, and the fruit of the Spirit doesn't follow that, okay? Or should. But darkness is not fun. But, you know, darkness is not fun. And this, and this is kind of silly and whatever. But, but we talk about the domain of darkness. What is the domain of darkness doing in Africa? Or in Indonesia? What is the domain of darkness doing in the United States of America? Because it's here too. It's not good. What is the domain of darkness doing at Central Mountain High School? And Central Mountain Middle School? And Jersey Shore? And... We don't want the domain of darkness in our life. Boy, we should be thankful to God that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have. Here it is. We forget this so much. The redemption of sins. I mentioned earlier about we can burn it down and he can make something good out of it. All right. Our sins. It's like burning our house down, like burning our lives down. And he can take something in the worst of us and make it into something good and to make it into something beautiful. I want you to think about this, and this is today's challenge. All of that was just introduction. I promise I'm almost done. All right. Because <laughs> here's where I wanted, this is where I wanted it to go through. This is the prayer Paul had for these believers. He didn't know them well. He knew them through Epaphras, but he was praying dearly and deeply for them. And it is how we should be praying for one another. In order to pray this, you're going to have to know someone well to pray this for them. And you're also going to need to be known well to have someone pray for, the, for you like this. So here's the challenge. For whom are you praying this prayer? And who is praying this prayer for you when we break this down individually for whom are you praying like this who's praying like this in your life as well you see we've we've got to get into one another's lives and praying like this for one another is what church is really all about again it's not just sitting here and listening attentively or even taking notes or, or, or serving wherever it may be. And that's all good and well. And we are incredibly thankful and glad that you would do that. And those are important things too. But really it's going to be about getting into one another's lives. How is the world going to know what we are? Well, we've got a sign that we're going to put on the building. So that's going to be important, right? And then we're going to eventually put some down there. And we'd like to, to get a billboard and... We've got our web page and we, we push out notifications on Facebook, Facebook every once in a while. And it, so what is the defining characteristic 
that the world should see out of us. Jesus said, if you'll know that you're my disciples, the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. And you can't love someone unless you are in their life. You see, love requires you to move away from yourself and toward another. And love requires you to give of yourself for the benefit of another and many times to the detriment of yourself. Love requires you to commit to someone through the good and the bad. We don't just walk away. Well, I tried. Love requires a lot of forgiveness. And if you don't know what that looks like, talk to my wife who forgives me constantly, okay? It requires a lot of forgiveness. Love will require you to get into one another's lives and pray for them like Paul prayed for these Colossian believers. I was working on this message. I really couldn't help but think of the hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And that's kind of my title came from that. This is the prayer that binds our hearts in love. And the words of the hymns are in the back of your note page in your bulletin. If you have your bulletin, pull that out. I want you to just kind of look at it. We're going to play that in just a moment. Just to listen to it together. And it's not a hymn that's heard much. But the words were so neat. And I hope that you'll look at them and think about them uh, during this week. And, and, and connect them to this passage and to this, this book. And this book of Colossians. And that it would also be something that... Uh, is defining of our church. And while you're listening to these words, and, and, and even later on, maybe it's after the service, maybe it's right now, it doesn't matter. If it's right now, I hope you do. I hope you'll get up and you'll go talk to someone. I want you to think about who is it that I should be praying for like this, and who should I be asking to pray for me like this? And if, if you've got to go have that conversation now, then don't let it pass. Go have that conversation now. But this, this song is going to play, and then I'll pray to close us, and the worship team will close us out. And again, if you need to talk to someone, do it now. Let's be a church that is all about togetherness. Go ahead and play that.
Lord, we come to you asking you that there be a tie that binds us together. Our hearts in Christian love. Love that looks Christ-like. Well, what did he do? He gave. He gave his life for us. He demonstrated that not by creating a, a life of prestige or drawing attention to himself, but loving by forgiving, by healing, by giving of himself over and over and over again to an unworthy people. So Lord, help us to be your body. Help us to move as your mind moves. And help us to find that one or two or three that we say we are praying for you deeply. We find those others that we go and say, pray for me deeply as well. Just in your son's name and in the power of the Holy Spirit that we ask this. Amen.